Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom podcast. Um, we're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, we like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, so this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. May the peace of Christ be with you. You can turn to Acts chapter 6. That's where we are today. We are picking up right where we left off last week as we have been working through the book of Acts, uh, slowly but surely, piece by piece, and occasionally we get bored with it and we take a break. And no, we're not getting bored with it. Um, but it's, it's a long text, and so we want to work through it in bite size. Um, and part of that is also just the acknowledgement that like, when a community enters into a text together, that the, the work of God is at work uniquely in each of us, and yet there's somehow this unifying component that's taking place also, which is also found at the communion table and this idea of the bread and the, and, and, and the juice or the, or the wine, that there's something at work. So I say that simply to invite us to acknowledge that while God might be speaking to you today, he's speaking to all of us. And together we are receiving a word from God. Not from me, from God. And so please, um, permission to tune out anything that would not be of him. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Uh, we're going to read it together here. And then, um, yeah, we'll go through it piece by piece. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, these names are rough, and Nicholas from Antioch, a, covenant, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples Jerusalem, in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Okay. What a text. What a text. And, and if I'm being totally honest, this is one of those texts that I think it's easy for people to sort of just like gloss over and just move through. But this is a text that I personally have been looking forward to uh, because it deals with something that you would never just like work out unless, of course, you were in this text. And that's the gift of like preaching kind of exegetically through the scriptures is that you just have to go with what's there. So you guys are going to feel a little bit like you're in the hot seat today because this is addressing some church conflict and church issues. And I want to be the kind of pastor that doesn't just talk about all the churches out there and how bad they are. 
I want to talk about this church right here because we should, you know, own that, okay? Um, but I also I want to point out some things that I think are really beautiful, and I hope to do that about us as well. Um, so both and. So on that note, on the, on the beauty of the church, I just want to point out just a win, a win. Uh, this last week, our youth went up north together to camp, and it was a win. I followed my son out there because it was Father's Day when they left, I thought, you know, I really want to hang out with my son when I get up there. But this was his first camp. And so being his first camp, he was very interested in making me, helping me know that it was really nice of me to come out and join him. But he was especially interested in being with those kids. And that filled my heart with joy. Because there I was watching my son experience friendship, the mountains, the woods, and Jesus... Uh, with his peers. And so for me to Wyatt and to Tomas and to Callie and to Bethann, thank you so much for leading that group of wild, wild young adult children up north. May the peace of Jesus be with you forever <laughs> and ever and ever. Um, I, last night I hopped in the pool with my son and I, he was reflecting on it a little bit and uh, and he just said, he said, he told me that, Wyatt, you're an inspiration. And that you're, it's, it's so fun being there with you. And so I want you to know that you matter to them. I don't know if they all say that. Um, but, you know, he's here. He could probably testify to, to it as well. But. All right. So uh, here we are uh, in back in Acts. Okay, so this first... Uh, verse, if we can pull that up here. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, I've highlighted a few words here that I highlighted myself. You might want to highlight something else, and that's fine, but I want to point out a couple of things that I think it's helpful for us to know. Obviously, here at the beginning is this phrase, disciples, which is now beginning to be the prominent, dominant word that Luke is using to describe the people that were followers of Jesus. He's not saying Christian, he's saying disciples. And this idea of discipleship has an emphasis on it. It's the methodist, is the Greek here, someone who learns by observation and inquiry. And that word observation is not that I learn by looking at it from over there. It's that I observe it. I'm in it. It's like when you observe the law, you're following the law. You're doing the thing. You're not just looking at the thing. And that's a, an important particular for this text because discipleship is what is being birthed out in the mission of Jesus. Because remember, while his vision is on earth as it is in heaven, his mission was to go and make disciples. And Luke here is pointing out that discipleship was increasing. The number of disciples was increasing. And so this is a good and beautiful thing. This is the kind of thing that is a better metric than a whole bunch of people were showing up. Now, I know in the church today that we love to celebrate a whole bunch of people, but it's far more significant that we get deeper Christians than just more Christians. And the reason I say that is because life with Jesus is worked out in life, not just a moment or a prayer or something like that. Although that's important, that's significant, it's the whole life. And I, I cheerlead this because I want you, you right there that's hearing these words out of my mouth, 
to acknowledge that you have been invited into a discipleship relationship with Jesus. And if we're to be one with the Church of Acts, one with the community of God, it's because we are disciples, which means we are increasingly beginning to look like Jesus. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, and, and so Luke now is mentioning also, though, that there's this like thing to celebrate, that the number is increasing, which is awesome. In fact, this is the sixth time now that we've already read, and we're just six chapters in, that the church is growing. And with that growth, what happens? What follows every time? Complaints, struggle, tension, conflict. And it's no different here, that as they grow, complaining begins to happen. Now, it's not just complaining. Sometimes it's persecution. So, like last chapter, as they were going, they got flogged. Before that, they got put in prison. Before that, they were being accused of being drunks. Somewhere in there, they were having issues as they were growing because people were uh, getting greedy with the resources that were being distributed, and people died. So... The early church is having issues, and this is something I like to point out, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, that often the church says, hey, I want to look like the early church. I want to be just like the church from Acts. And I'm like, oh, which part? Which, which part? Because there's a lot of crazy and insanity going on in the book of Acts, and yet it's beautiful. And so we have this reality here that this is not some fairy tale story of the early church. This is the real nitty gritty life together community of God emerging out of persecution as people on the margins of society rearranging how the culture norms are interpreted. That's what's happening. The early church is forced to face the appropriate norms that their social context and cultural context are dictating and say, wait a second, that's incongruent with Jesus. And since Jesus is Lord, we have to, as disciples, begin to observe what he's doing, not what Caesar's doing or whoever the other gods are, and there are many of them. And of course, that's going to cause some tension. But more than that... This complaint against text actually is this word of murmuring, that the murmuring is happening. And that's an important word that Luke's using on purpose because it's been used in the Bible many times, including Exodus and Numbers. And you remember from the wilderness days when Moses is leading people through the wilderness, there's murmuring that is happening, that there's tensions that are at play. And this is a negative connotation. It's not just that they're complaining, because here, look, they're complaining about something good, right? In the sense that, hey, these people need to be taken care of. But the idea of this word wasn't that they were going to the leadership and saying, hey, we have this gap in our ministry and we need to address it. That's not what they were doing. Instead, they were just whispering about it together until it became such a buzz that it came to the attention of the apostles. That's the kind of murmuring that was happening here. And this is something to note, not just because it's happening on the heels of growth and things like that, although things do slip through the cracks as communities grow, right? As attention is sort of cast out. 
But the conflict of the early church, what's important here is that it's no longer just because of the persecution and uh, circumstances that are out here. The issues are also now within. And that's important because as God is multiplying, the devil is dividing. That is at play. In any growing community spaces, you're going to find that both of those factors are sort of an axiom that's at play here, that there is tension. In fact, I would say a church that doesn't have tension of any kind might not be a church. It might be something else. Um, and those kind of communities where you don't say anything or do anything, you just go along, are dangerous. They're dangerous. So I also want to acknowledge that there's some spaciousness here as well. But as they are catching their breath, as the church is getting their feet off the ground, conflict is emerging, not just from outside, but also from within. Recently, my wife and I were on a cruise in Alaska, and we got so lucky, and I might have shared this already, but we got so lucky as we're sitting, there's an excursion happening, everybody's racing off the boat, okay, if you've ever been on a cruise, it gets real crowded at the exits, and it takes a long time to get off the boats. So her and I were like, you know what, let's just hang back and chill on the bow of the boat for a little bit. And as we did, a humpback whale came up to the edge of the boat there and came up for air. And it was amazing. It was gorgeous. But what I began to notice was that this thing kept coming up and going down, coming up, because it's got to, like, you know, breathe. Uh, but it's also feeding, eating a bunch of fish. But at the same time as this giant fish, have you seen one? They're insane. Every time it would come up for air, it is getting pecked at by hundreds of birds. And it's probably just like gnats to the whale. I don't know. But my point is that as every time it was, it was coming up for something, it was also facing this, this, this obstacle, this issue. And I, I remember sitting there reflecting like, hey, I would hate to be a humpback whale, you know? But then I thought, wait a second, I, there's a lot of ways in my life where I kind of, we are kind of like that, where it's like no, whenever we gain ground, we're losing ground at the same time. That was the weirdest analogy I've ever used in a sermon um, to try and say that the early church was, although it was gaining ground and it was coming up for air and it was finding its own, it was also dealing with all sorts of pecking birds, if you will. Now, um, this murmuring, we should note this complaining, notice that it didn't arise from the widows themselves. It wasn't like the widows were like, hey, you're, ne you're neglecting us. It was being arised from others. And, and the Hellenistic Jews, if it might be helpful to know, this was the, the, the Greco- Jews. These were folks that were from outside of proper Judaism, okay? They had come into the faith. They were kind of converts, if you will. They were in Greek-influenced social spaces and were entering in, okay? They were Hellenistic. And the Hebraic Jews, of course, were the kind of fundamentals. They were there at the beginning. So in some ways, you kind of have, and no surprise, the liberals are complaining, right? That's what they do. Now, I'm totally kidding. Uh, the, and, and the the conservatives are maybe more on this other side, but there's this issue that's being ruptured and taking place here, and they're saying, hey, something's going on. But to their credit, what they're saying is the widows are being overlooked. And again, we could also put here this word neglected. 
Now, we could just silence them and say, hey, come on, man, like you're interrupting the movement. God's doing something here. This thing is beginning to grow. But they're saying, wonderful, we love that it's growing. This is amazing that it's growing. However, if, does growth mean that we, at the expense of this community, these widows, is that really what we mean by this? And we need to have the wisdom to recognize the beauty of this, that the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews are at the same table. And we could just get like frustrated with those that are over here or over here, or we could recognize that there's something here. There is something. And we need to address it. And Luke is helping us see that this something is significant. Now, it starts to feel insignificant for a moment because of the language of the second text. But if you notice it, if we'll go to the second verse. So the twelve gathered all the disciples, okay, in response to the complaints, all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, that feels like a really strong statement. It almost feels you, it, like the modern mind would be tempted to take this text and say, you see, see those Hellenistic Jews are trying to distract us with something here when there's this thing that's happening. But that's not what this text is trying to point out. Luke is pointing out something about the church. And it's not that we're putting down the notion of waiting tables. It's that there are two different kind of meals that are being served, and both matter. Now remember, if you, from two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, they were told to go and speak the word of God to other people. And Jesus gave them this commission to go and tell others about this life. The carrying out and the, not just the word of God, but prayer in the word of God are fundamental to the work of the early church. And this idea is a food. It is a food. In some sense, it is even awaiting on tables. And we need to see this because Luke here is trying to kind of call out something between this idea of they were complaining and now this issue of food and this tie to Israel who was complaining, what did God do? He provided food for them after they were complaining. And Luke's bringing all of this into the picture now. And he's saying, I need you to see something here. That while the work is, yes, the carrying out of the word of God, which is a bread, the bread of life, and man shall not live on bread alone, but every word of God. It is also food itself, provisions for those that are in need. So the church is responsible for caring for the needs of others as much as it is responsible for declaring the goodness, beauty of life with God. Both are at play. Both are ministries of the word, and are synonymous with the works of God. And Jesus, over and above anybody in Scripture, drills that home. And because of that, we can't interpret this to mean something other than what Jesus intended. Now, I can't help but think about my days of waiting on tables. 
I worked at Peter Jungle at Arrowhead like the day they opened. So I don't know, it was like 15 years ago or whatever it was. And Peter Jungle back then, I don't know if it's like still a happening place, but it was uh, like a trending Phoenix foodie spot. And day one for like six months straight, that place was packed. We were growing. The thing was expanding. People were coming in. But the only thing I remember from those days was the murmuring of the people, the complaints of the people. And like, no matter, like, because of the growth that was happening, there was no way that we could appease, satisfy everybody that was coming or there. Now, sometimes we got hit out of the park, you know, and sometimes it was great, but it was busy and it was growing. And the thing I want to point out here is that church conflict isn't always about, uh, uh, it's not always about fundamental issues or convictions or the word of God. It's also about incidentals. It's about things that are overlooked and not seen. It's about administrative things. It's about all sorts of things produce this kind of spirit. And both can be dangerous, not just the fundamentals, but the incidentals as well. Both are always present, the waiting on the tables and the ministering of the word of God. Both are always at play. One shouldn't cancel out the other. They cannot stop doing what the Lord had commanded them to do simply because there is a good cause in front of them, and yet they cannot not address the cause that's in front of them because the Lord has commanded them to love one another also. Now, this is the intersection for us. Because God has asked us to do this also. And like this early church, we can be very good about complaining about what's not happening and slow to celebrate what is happening. And it, like the number one thing I hear about is the things that you wish were happening that aren't happening. The number two thing I hear about are the things that are happening that you wish were happening differently. <laughs> now, I don't say that to point the finger. I say that to acknowledge that this same tension and struggle that's alive here, is alive, that's alive in the text, is alive right here. In our own midst. Like, how many of you are critical of the church? How many of you feel it's easy to be critical of the church? And that could be the church out here. What we see on the headlines as if that's the thing. But it can also be what happens right here. And often we'll project the things that are out here into here. That drives me nuts. But we do it. We're susceptible to that murmuring spirit, which if you see what God does with that spirit in the Old Testament, it's not pretty. And James addresses it really aggressively. Paul goes on to address it really good. In fact, it's put right up there with idolatry. That spirit is the spirit of division. It breeds division. We saw it with COVID. I'm just going to call you all out, yes. myself included. 
There we were, two sides, arguing, complaining, unable to recognize that our responsibility is both. Both. It's not a one or the other. There's a way that we have to learn to reconcile the whole. Because Jesus' vision was on earth as it is in heaven. And he's not leaving one issue behind. He's redeeming all of it. He's reconciling every piece of it. Putting it back together as it should be. Meanwhile, we're picking and choosing. But Jesus wants the whole thing. This is every church. We've all been here. The other complaint that we get is that we ask too much of you. And I don't know if that surprises you, but that's, I hear that all. I was like, hey, you guys are asking too much. Too much. And then others, you don't ask enough. Surprise. I bring this up because this is also what's happening here. Because whose responsibility is it to take care of the widows? Is it the apostles' job to do it? Or is it the body's job to do it? It's the body and. But you see, the expectation could be that, well, the leader's got to do it. And if I just bring that awareness to them, they'll know now. And if you ask our staff about doing anything, we almost all have it down now perfectly. We'll say, hey, since you noticed that, (laughs) you should really consider taking that on. Let's pick back up the text. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. That's important. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So what they're saying is we can't neglect the thing that God's chosen us to do, but we also can't neglect the thing that has been rising to the surface that's causing division amongst us, not because there's division at hand, but because there's widows at hand who need to be cared for. And so they begin to appoint people who are full of spirit and wisdom to have responsibility over that. That's the model. That's the model that we together care for these things, whatever they might be. So here, I challenge you this week to pay attention to the needs, to think about the things that are getting neglected and overlooked. I challenge you to be aware enough to see it and bring it to me. And then be willing to get in the ring. Seriously. I challenge you on Saturday to go on the prayer walk, walk this neighborhood, and take note of how God's Spirit calls out needs amongst us. I challenge you to do that. Because we should be aware, we should be broken over these shortcomings. And the good thing about being broken in that spirit is that the, the, the God spirit is so ready and eager 
to meet that need in loving kindness. But it's not going to be through 20% of the leadership here at Axiom Church. It's going to be from every single one of you. And anything short of that, might as well just show up on Sundays. And that's the kind of faith sometimes we're tempted to live. Now, the other thing that I love about this text, actually, let's just keep reading because it's going to show itself. Right here, keep going. The proposal pleased the whole group. That's a miracle. That never happens. It never happens. I read that text and I stopped as a pastor of 10 years and I went, what? You're saying that as God's, as, as God's Spirit moves in people to point out the neglects and the overlooks, that there's actually a way to respond in it in which the whole community is invited to participate and engage, and not only engage, but to be satisfied? If we all work together, it would be, it would be better? Whoa. But careful... Because the, disciple, the number of disciples will increase if we do that. People who take Jesus seriously, that metric will go up if we do that. Careful. And then the new problem will emerge, but we'll learn something, won't we? That together, as a body of Christ with the Spirit of God, not only are the resources of heaven available for this, but there's pleasure to be had. We get to see the restoration. We get to name the people and invite them to shepherd the thing. And you have to see here, because the word was used twice, not only were the widows being neglected, which was the complaint that came to them, but the apostle said, we can't neglect the word of God. And again, I point that out to say it's not one over the other or one instead of the other. It's both. Now, there is a, in a sense, there's a prioritization of the proclamation of the word of God because it is the fulcrum of our commission. It's the teaching people to observe everything that God's commanded. Because as you do that, the people of God will begin to feed the people of the world, care for the people of the world. And so if we were to like modernize this text, we might say, hey, the, the church can't just become a social institution that takes care of these things, although that would be beautiful and amazing, and we are all for that. It has to do that. But it has to first have in place to support that appropriately the truth. And sadly, we, we, we end up picking one or the other. Not at Axiom. We're not going to do that. We are going to do both. Your community groups are going to do both. You're going to do both. 
we are going to do both. We are not going to be preachers of the word with only our hands and feet. We're going to be preachers of our words with that, but also with our mouths. Because, as we said last week, we stand and proclaim from our head to our toes, head to our toes, sorry. <laughs> we, it's the whole thing. God wants it all. He wants all of it. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased. There it is again, rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Miracle. Jesus, help us in this. Help us to have the courage to not just put out the other, to, to lift one up and to push one down. Just help us to be just as you desire us to be, God. Help us to want just what you want. I, I ask Jesus for your spirit to dispense compassion on the church. Would our hearts never grow numb to the needs of the world? Would we never be slow to respond? Would we never confuse the opportunity to serve with the exchanging of our faith or something like that? Just please, just make us the first people in line to help others. But God also gave us the courage to share what this is all about in word and deed. Both and. We ask for this in your name.